You're listening to Marcy Lynn once again on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning. Thank you, Harry. It's another Thursday. And guess what, guys? I'm here. We're here. We woke up. Sometimes that's all we get. So just enjoy your day. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest today. We have a lot to talk about, so we might cram this one in and then do another one in December because he's got a lot going on for what is needed in our wonderful state. Um, Mr. Paul Vente. Let me tell you something. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the background here. Never met him a day in my life, but I spent 30,000 steps walking around Fieldhouse. The best part about it is I met so many beautiful people, but when you meet somebody and you have a connection, this is my brother, like literally the whole time. The first time we met, we were just sitting, hanging out and taking pictures and he told me what he does and I'm going, oh my goodness, with the passion. And then he kept apologizing for crying. I'm like, you're apologizing for being emotional about the things that are wrong? Who are you? You're my brother. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you doing today, Paul? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And and I just want to thank you for inviting me here. And it's it's a pre- it's a pleasure and an honor to be here and share my story with you. Yes, and, yes. And the folks and that are listening. So, Paul Venti, let me tell you guys, I got the book, and the name of his book is "Fighting Good, Fighting the Good Fight on Hunger and Homelessness." Um, it should be called a biography to the truth about the unhoused and how to overcome it and become become a helper of the, what you you know been through because this book actually has him his life stories and how he met inspirational people and now he is inspiring so many different groups and helping with so many different things i thought i was busy but i think he got me covered on on the <laughs> on the you know need and nonprofit. but he literally has teamed up with the um, organization that did the wonderful wonderful dental clinic this weekend and it's the Connecticut Foundation of Dental Outreach and when I tell you they did a beautiful 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 job what was it 1.3 million in services for yes 1045 patients had their teeth taken care of yeah and the kids like I was like we gave them smiles let me tell you something and uh, the personal experience that I shared is nothing compared to watching all of those people walk out of there with smiles even though some of them were in pain, it was smiles and all. So beyond that, let, let's, let's talk about who is Paul Venti. Well, let me start with a little bit of my background. Growing up in Elmwood in West Hartford, I uh, had three brothers, a sister, and my mom and father adopted two kids. So there was a few mouths to feed, and my parents always instilled to me how important it was for people to eat and to feed people because both my parents grew up during the Great Depression and they had to go to orphanages. Not because my grandparents didn't love them, it's because they couldn't afford to feed them or they, then they couldn't afford to clothe them. My mom used to talk about it all the time. My dad never did. My mom told me how she walked the railroad tracks in Southington, Connecticut mm-hmm. to get the coal that fell off the coal trucks and, and, and to heat the house. Mm-hmm. So... I was always instilled to me, you know, how important it is to feed people. And we always had a big Sunday meal. We'd wake up in the morning on Sundays to the smell of uh, 
sauce me and cook get the book stove. man it makes you want to eat it just starts <laughs> out <laughs> and we all got together and i miss those times they were great great times so it all started with my parents when i was a young boy but our friend here was speaking about the missions of mercy and i'm so honored to be part of that because they they put smiles on people's faces they take care of people that can't afford dental insurance because it's just so expensive and I'm honored to be doing that for 10 years now. It's life-saving. It saved mine twice. It, it builds up people's self-esteem. They, you know, they're not afraid to smile. They can go apply for that job they were afraid to go get. But it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And what, what's really great about it, another thing, is, is they let me incorporate our food drive with them with their database of over 800 volunteers. So this year we donated to the soup kitchen in downtown New Haven. Mm-hmm. I did take some of the clothes from my homeless friends that I work with on a weekly basis. But um, I'd also like to touch base on what I'm going to be doing Saturday. Every year I do a Christmas for kids and and a food drive and clothes, warm clothes for my homeless friends. Mm -hmm. And I have people come to my house. I have about 25, 35 friends. Mm -hmm. And instead of bringing food, we supply all the hors d'oeuvres and we ask them to bring non-perishable food items and unwrapped toys. Mm-hmm. And then we give them to the Catholic family workers in the north end of Hartford. We take care of the single moms who can't afford to put food on the table and mm-hmm. can't afford to buy Christmas presents. Mm-hmm. We make sure that they're going to have a hot meal and those kids have a Christmas present to open up every Christmas morning. That's wonderful. I was mentioning to you, I said, you know, because New Haven is such a great resource area. We always, people always know where, where the toy drives are going to be or toy giveaways are going to be. We have like two large ones during the, the holiday season. And I don't think that you can miss a turkey. So it's great to hear that there are resources that are developing even more so and have been there in the Hartford area too. So I just wanted to make sure that, you know, people know that it's not just New Haven with all the resources too. So other people are doing the same thing in other cities. And, you know, you're from Winstead. Right. And you came down to me and we, New Haven Green, you come down and feed people, but you don't know that the resources are here unless somebody tells you. Yes, and, and anybody can go to their town hall and find out a family in need and adopt a family. Mm-hmm. Find out what, what shoe size the kids wear, get mm-hmm. them some clothes, make sure they have a, a present open. Now say that again. Time. I think people didn't understand what you just said. They don't know that they can go get a family of need. You can go to the town hall and mm-hmm. find a family in need, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you can adopt a family. Yeah. yeah. I, I do two or three every year. See? And, and you know, it comes a time in, in, in your life when, how much more do you really need? You, know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you got a closet full of clothes you haven't worn in two years. Mm-hmm. Why not donate them? Mm-hmm. You got a roof over your head. You got food on the table. Your bills are getting paid. We're blessed. I just We're so, that. so blessed. I just did that. I literally just gave away pretty much a whole arsenal of clothes where I could actually put everything all in one floor. I used to have to change out seasonally. Now I don't have to do that anymore. I can leave all my coats upstairs. I don't have to put them downstairs. And it feels a lot a lot better to know that i'm not hoarding clothes or you know having an excess amount of clothes and shoes it's not necessary i'm one person i can only wear one outfit at a time and there are people out there that need everything so you know socks are the biggest thing homeless people need. we had that conversation and Mm t-shirts and and you heard of bamba yeah bamba i was saying bamba Mm -hmm. buy some bambas and they're good they're really good for your feet because they're really tight too they're they're warm too Mm -hmm. they're warm too and you know what they do in florida they take scarves and jackets and they tie them to telephone poles and they have a sign on them, yours for the taking. 
Oh. Anybody that really? wants them, you just go take them off a telephone pole and keep that jacket or scarf really? or wool hat. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's pretty It's pretty. That's cool. a great idea. We can need to work on that. But but I'd like to tell you how this all started really with me with my food drives. Um, in February 7, 2010, there was a massive gas explosion in Middletown, Connecticut. We lost six tradesmen that day. Three of them were very, very close union brothers of mine and good friends, one being my best friend, Ronnie Crabb. We lost Ray Dobraz, Ronnie Crabb, and Pichapoulis Pulis that day out of 777. And uh, the people in Middletown all came together, and we had a big pasta meal, and we did we did a uh, food drives, and, and we had um, people come together. Jim's gave uh, free membership. We had Yankee Harley donated a Harley. Then then the boxing team over there in Middletown, uh, the Lions. Then we had a fight. We had a boxing match with Jose Jose Canseco being the uh, main event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had tradesmen come together. We had union That's plumbers great. and fitters and iron workers all get union the ring strong. and duke it out for the sake of these mm-hmm. families to you mm-hmm. know help them with their uh, struggle and uh, uh, get them I some remember funding. that time that explosion. It was just like what it's like it hit home. It really did, because, you know, it, you're here one second, go on the next, and then, you know, especially when you're, like, the primary person in a family. Uh, you yeah. know. So, so what I did was I um, wanted to pay back. I was a steward at the clean energy job where, where, the, where the explosion happened, and I uh, started food drives. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give back to the people in Middletown. And to this day, going on 14 years this February, I go to that site no matter where I am on the anniversary, and I host what I call a celebration of life. Mm. I have some guest speakers. A lieutenant governor comes, mm-hmm. Kyle Zimmer, a great friend of mine, mm-hmm. Ronnie mm-hmm. McCullen. Mm-hmm. We all come together, and, and we have a moment of silence. We say a prayer, and we share, share a few stories. Mm-hmm. And the firefighters are always there, District 6 yeah. in uh, Middletown, Connecticut. Yeah. They actually gave me the flag that was flying that day, and I was blown away, but Mm -hmm. I could not keep it, so I donated it to the AFL-CIO. Yes. It doesn't belong in my house. It Mm -hmm. belongs to where everybody could see it. Everybody. It's everybody's flag. AFL-CIO is where it is. And and the the governor Mm -hmm. signed a proclamation that that is the state of Connecticut flag, so everybody that went to work and never came home, that flag belongs to them. Yes. From Sandy Hook to La Beyonce to, to Clean Energy. Yeah. Everybody, the the, uh, yeah. the shootings we had at the uh, lottery headquarters yes, yes, and the, yes, and the, yes, and the yes, liquor yes. distillery, um, oh that's everybody's flag. Oof. And uh, I have the proclamation hanging in my uh, office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wanted to give back, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I did. And shortly after that, I moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's when I saw the real big need for homelessness. Mm-hmm. We all know it's there, but when I moved to Florida, oh, my God. Yeah, that's a different level. And Florida is supposed to be so less expensive, and you see homelessness there, because it's nice weather. It's not going to be as focused. Exactly. So going, well, it's always nice here, so they're not going to rush to get your shelter. It's the weather. Mm-hmm. So one day I'm gassing up my car in, in Crystal River, and I see these folks feeding these homeless people, and I said, well, you know, I'd like to get involved in this. So I met up with them, and I went to one of their meetings, and he asked me if I'd be on their board, of, uh, their, their committee. And I said, sure, why not? So I got in their committee, and I was driving all over the, 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 the county of uh, Pasco, mm-hmm. picking up food, delivering food, doing food runs, doing a Sunday blessing meal. 
And I says, you know what? With all this money I'm spending on gas, I could do something in my own backyard because the homeless population is everywhere. Save it. So I started off with bottled water and snack bars, but it went way, way beyond that because the need was so overwhelming. And every time I went to a homeless camp, they always told me where other homeless people were. Yeah. And I got on the first name basis with these people. Mm-hmm. At first, they didn't know who I was. Yep. And I got on the first name basis with these people. They invited me into their camps. We mm-hmm. sat down. We broke bread. Mm-hmm. We prayed. We talked. I listened to their stories. And every single one of them has a story. Mm-hmm. And what makes me mad more than anything else is when somebody comes to me and says, why did you feed that person? Why did you help that person? That why don't something? they go get a job? Isn't that something? First thing it's- I tell them is it's none of your business, yeah. number one. And number two, you're not walking in his shoes. First of all, if you have a heaven and hell, put me in, let me know. If you don't, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm not in the I'm judging game. I'm not doing game. it for you. I'm not doing it for the actual person that I'm giving the things to. I'm doing it because it's what we're supposed to do as human beings. Amen. And we're not supposed to ask the question. You know, there's a lot of people I won't give money, but at the same rate, if you ask me for a meal, the gentleman I just met, that we just met downstairs, he didn't ask me for a meal. I asked him after he asked me for something else to, did you want something to eat? He's going through something. Finding out people's stories before you judge them. Exactly. When you see a five-year-old kid coming out of the woods on a Saturday morning when he should be watching cartoons and eating a bowl of Captain Crunch cereal, it breaks your heart. Mm -hmm. That's not a camping trip. That's where he lives. That's That's where he lives with his mother. That's his home. Mm -hmm. And our veterans. Don't know where your next meal is coming from. Our veterans. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. They're on a two-year waiting list. Mm -hmm. A two-year waiting list in Florida. Why? I I can't never wrap my head around that. A two-year waiting list in Florida? Yes. The veterans? The veterans in Florida. Oh, my God. I can't imagine what the waiting list here must be. It's not bad in Connecticut. Every state is different. But we owe our veterans, man. They gave gave so much for us. It's not bad because we have four seasons here, I guess. So that makes sense. So, you know, there it's going to be a little bit worse because they're thinking it's nice weather. And here... We have four seasons, so it's like rush, rush, rush through fall and winter, but here comes spring. And a lot of folks, a lot of veterans give up on the administration because they get a lot of runaround. Fill out the paperwork, go over here, wait, fill out more paperwork. And and um, we got to do better for them. We lose 22 a day to PTSD. P- PTSD, 22 a day, man. Yeah. <clears throat> we owe them. Yeah. I lost my, ex- well, my ex-husband, um, you know, genuinely a beautiful person beautiful person was doing very well and then you know he just he lost a brother and it hit him i mean it's always mental illness you know so then the mental illness of course they're masking it with the drugs and then it just comes to the fact that you know we got divorced and he went to boston and overdosed so i tell people all the time i said you know i know who that person was when they were clean and conscious so the best part of it is that I um, really, 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 really genuinely know what it's like to be with someone who is a different person when they're sober and then they're a different person when they have mental illness and sobriety and sobriety. And then they have mental illness, the addiction taking over and then feel hopeless. Yes. And, you know, you hit the nail right on the head with mental illness. It's a big, big problem. And when the government cuts funding, What's on a chopping block is funding for mental illness. Mm-hmm. Our, our facilities, mm-hmm. they're not around anymore, mm-hmm. and these people mm-hmm. don't have their medication. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to people who couldn't put a sentence together. 
when when I was in Washington D.C. for a summit with uh, Connecticut Alliance for Retired Americans, mm-hmm. I came out of the hotel room at eight o'clock in the morning. There was a homeless guy talking to a wall. I got him something to eat and a hot cup of coffee. I came back ten hours later. He's talking to the same wall, having a conversation with a concrete wall. Mm-hmm. Mental illness is rapid. It, it's it's be out of control, and and we need to do something about it. And you know what? Medicines are not it. It's improving someone's situation. And you can tell people that it's going to be all right, but if it's not all right and it's not looking like it's going to be all right, some people get discouraged. Everybody doesn't have the patience that, you know, it's taught, you know, in religion. Everybody doesn't understand the patience that's taught in religion. So we get stuck. And now, okay, I have nobody helping me. I don't have religion. And now what am I going to do? I'm going to talk to whoever answers exactly or whatever answers. And, and what i really want to clear the air on is the myths about homelessness people think all homeless people are druggies and alcoholics that couldn't be any further from the truth mm-hmm. sure there's drugs and alcohol with homeless people i've seen it but it's in every walk of life and a lot of the homeless folks start doing drugs once they become homeless mm-hmm. i know two people in the state of georgia that became homeless because they lost their identity mm-hmm they were wiped out by the black web, and they lost everything, and they're homeless. Mm-hmm. These folks that we worked with with the floods in Kentucky and the, and the Appalachians, they became homeless overnight. 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 New Orleans. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, we worked down there with Storm Ida, same people that had Katrina. Mm-hmm. Homeless overnight. The forest fires in, in California, mm-hmm. because of the forest fires and the cost of living, the homeless population went up 19%. In 2018, mm-hmm. just because of the cost of living, because people couldn't afford a homeowner's mm-hmm. insurance. They lost their house in a fire. They're on the street. Yeah. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. I just came back from California two weeks ago, the biggest state in the United States for homelessness. If you go downtown L.A., the flower district, it's city block after city block after city block of homeless people. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. And we have to do is- something. It doesn't take much to just step up to the plate and help. As big as California is, it is ex- so expensive to live. Oh, my God. Eat. Breathe. Gas is over $7 a gallon. Listen, my friend, remember when the gas hiked? Like, I literally was in Georgia when they ran out of gas. Okay? At that time, it was like, somebody's telling me it was $15 in, like, San Francisco area. And then if you were up in the island area, you a whole nother tax bounced it. I'm like, I, where could you drive? And you can't go anywhere in California without a car, really. Really? There's, not, there's nowhere you can go because you got everywhere's in another city. Everything's in another city. So it's just, those are all things that lead up to it. So you lose your transportation, you lose your house, you lose your identity. And, and it's, it's, it's so bad out there, people living out on the street. I mean, I went down there with a couple of my friends down there that are in, in a plumbers and pipe fitters union down there, John Garrett and John Dowsham mm-hmm. and, and a few others. And we did some food runs down there. And when you see it firsthand, mm-hmm. my God, we can't turn a deaf eye, a deaf ear or a blind eye to this problem. Mm-hmm. Every homeless person is somebody's brother, mother, father, sister, mm-hmm. friend, or uncle. And we have to help them mm-hmm. because a lot of them are there by no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So never make the assumption, you know, and if you are a kind person, take a moment to ask the story or just say, you know, are you good? 
um, if you even if you don't have what they're specifically asking for, find out their story. Sometimes it's just conversation. Yeah. They just want to have a friend. Yeah. Yeah. They want to have somebody to talk to. Yeah, yeah. And you know how I am. I'm, I, I'm such a social person, and it hurts me that people just don't want to take a moment to speak to people, and they're always making an assumption. And you know, none of us are leaving here what we have on this earth. None That's of us right. came here with anything that we have on this earth. So we need to keep that mentality that so maybe, you know, there you are know, people that are already there that you don't, don't have anything to right. say. Right. You don't see luggage racks on a hearse. No, nothing's going nothing with that, you. No, nothing's going with me. And, and, you know, I had this, my favorite, favorite homeless person was Lisa Pizza. Mm. I met her in Florida. She lived in back of a big Y. She was her. coming out of a dumpster. And Lisa Pizza was a commercial fisherman, and she did really well. She went offshore for three or four days at a time, mm-hmm. but arthritis set in in her hands. Oh, she didn't goodness. drink. She didn't do drugs. She just couldn't pay her bills. She got evicted. She ended up in the streets. Yeah. And Lisa Pizza's idea of a shower was stand under a rain gutter with a bar of soap. Jesus. And she was a hoarder. She was a homeless hoarder. And I used oh, to sit I, I, with her camp. Yep. I used to blow my horn. She'd come out and see me. We'd hug. And one day I went over there, and I, I found out it was her birthday coming up. Mm-hmm. So I got about 35, 45 homeless people together. We had a big birthday party for oh, her. We wow. had wings and pizzas and soda. Wow. And we and the, some of the homeless people made gifts, you know, mm-hmm. and we got her a nice cake. And yeah. she came up to me. She says, Paul, today I feel like I belong. I said, Lisa, you belong every day. Just because you live in back in, a, in the woods and back of a big yeah. white doesn't mean you you don't belong. I mean, that's I just feel like people are human, you know. Yeah. And I don't think that anybody should be degrading anyone, no matter how bad the circumstances. I just had a a really really uh, substantial, and I have to call her a substantial person that nobody even knew was a veteran, nobody ever knew that it was it was a star in sports, pass away, and didn't get her flowers till then. So I, weeks before this, before CT Mom, I literally had a you know moment of silence and explained to people that um, rest in peace, Joyce Amply, um, that this woman would you know I would have conversations with her. She would ask me what the good word was for the day, and I would just you know like I'm posting my scriptures every day. I would make sure that I tell her that scripture, and then kind of help her with what it meant. And she was like, "All right, Miss Marcy, you want me to do your windows?" I'm like, "I'm good." I just want to see your face and I pump my gas and keep it moving, you know. But don't take people like that that you see all the time that are kind for granted. Stop for a second. Because, you know, a lot of people, they're angry. I mean, I've seen people that I've actually had conversations with that walked up to me and started, that were talking to themselves. And then I just jumped in the conversation with them to make them feel a little bit better. Yeah. So you got to do that. You can't be, you can't live in fear. You can't have faith and be like, oh, I'm scared of this. Exactly, exactly. And, and and the reason Lisa didn't want to come out, I offered her a hotel room several times, mm-hmm. but she says, I can't leave because when I come back, everything will be gone. Mm-hmm. But she would not go to the, there was a place where you can get meals on Sunday mm-hmm. at, a, at a mission at a church. Yes. But I, she wouldn't let me take her there because she says people make fun of me and they tell me I smell and I should get my teeth fixed. And I don't want that. I don't want that. You know, I don't want people to say that to me. It hurts me. It hurts me because I'm trying. So you're telling me, wait a minute, they have a place where people can actually get fed, but the people in there are just, you know, that sounds well, like. Well, when she comes out to the public, it's not necessarily the people in the in the, in the, uh, oh, just in the not church, but in the church, but, but every time she comes out in the public, people make fun of her, you know? 
Uh, and she it hurts her feelings. She's still a person, man. That's disgusting. And, you know, by the grace of God, there go I. Because mm-hmm. nobody's exempt from becoming homeless. Mm-mm. I met people from all walks of life. People with educations. One lady could speak four different languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bad turn of events. A lot of times it's sexual abuse when they're kids. They could be beaten by their parents or their step-parents. Mm-hmm. It's a loss of job, a loss of house. That they make bad decisions, but they're still human beings. They still need illness. To... You can go in the hospital for a month or two months and come back with not, and everything's been rugs. The whole rug, because you can't come back from that. Come back. I have, I have a friend that, you know, just all of a sudden everything happened. Amputation, everything, and you know, the community got together and did what they needed to do. You got to feel that way about the homeless people as well, you know, and. I just want to make sure everybody knows that you listen to Marcy Lynn once again on WNHHLP Community Radio, New Haven Independent. And again, we have Mr. Paul Venti here. And we're having a deep conversation about the details and intricacies of the unhoused homeless, specifically veterans and, you know, women and, you know, children and pets. Oh, let me go there. Mr. Uh, Paul Venti here is a. Uh, multi he's been in multiple facets of media and done so much so many different things i wanted to spend some time on where you all all your articles and all of your uh shows and and then we want to get into our next show once we get everything up and running for our holidays so okay give us a, a, a about yeah give me about 15 minutes if you want to on things now okay well what I really, really enjoy doing, and, and it's is close to my heart, is helping these people that lose everything overnight. Mm-hmm. So right after the UA convention, two years ago this past August, there was a massive, massive hurricane, Storm Ida, in, local, in, in uh, Louisiana. Get a little closer to the microphone. So I went down to Louisiana to Local 60. They treated me with open arms. They took me in. I, I stepped. I slept on an air mattress for nine for a few days, and then one of the members invited me into his house. And what we did is we had three pickup trucks, and we had trailers behind them. And we had hundred gallon gas can tanks on the, on the pickup trucks. Mm-hmm. We had a motorcycle battery. We'd pump gas into five gallon and ten gallon cans. Mm-hmm. We'd have air guns and, and uh, Gatorade and all the building supplies. Mm. And we took a ride down to the bayous mm. because those folks, folks lost their house. They stayed and lived through that storm. And they told me when a sheet of plywood goes down that, down that street, it's like a missile. And when I went out there, we gave them all the supplies they needed to rebuild. They had like 15, 18 guys together that mm. lost their house or lost their roof. Mm-hmm. And they all work on one house, then they go to the next, then they work on that one, and they go to the next. Mm-hmm. But we brought them everything they need. That's we wonderful. had trucks coming from Florida. My buddy Les Zimmerman from uh, uh, Indiana came in with a tractor trailer truck full of supplies. Mm-hmm. We had the UA stepped up to the plate. All the plumbers and pipe fitters jumped in the game and grabbed mm-hmm. the glove. Mm-hmm. And we helped these folks. But the funniest thing is when I got down there, these people were cutting up and they were singing and having a good time and mm-hmm. joking. Mm-hmm. And I said, brother, how could you be so happy? You just lost your roof. You lost half of your house. Mm-hmm. Your house is completely gone, but you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. They says, Paul, 
we can get our we can get that back. Yeah, we're we got alive. our lives. See, we got our lives. You have We've life. been through Katrina, and we're going to get through this. Yes, yes, yes. And it, and it opened my eyes. Yeah, yeah. it opened my eyes. Yeah. You see, we we're so accustomed to misery, and trauma, you know. And some people just don't have that attitude, you know. And of course, they had to cook for us the jambalaya and the Ooh. gumbo. All my everything got rice in it. If it crawls rice, or swithers or slips, they're, they're going <laughs> to cook and eat it. Crawfish, yes. <laughs> but these, this guy was actually an alligator hunter. He was on that Discovery show. He was on three episodes. His name was EJ. I'll never forget him. He gave me some pins. And pins is how I do a lot with my corporation. I host raffles on weekends with mm -hmm. a deck of cards. And I raffle off five or six pins with a shirt and a hat and a sweatshirt. And, and I get $10 a card. And that's how I buy my food and tents and get homeless veterans into hotel rooms. I also oh. get some nice contributions from different locals. And that's one of the reasons I went to uh, California was to thank the locals that gave me some contributions. Yes. Now, Barbara is an editor with the UA Journal, and she wrote five or six different articles on me. And that gave me a lot of exposure, too, mm -hmm. uh, with the Pin World and, and with the UA members, because we have over 370,000 people that read this magazine. Doing the work. And uh, it's called Heart to Heart. It's going to be in a November issue also. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, I just want to touch base once again on the veterans, if I may. It's, mm -hmm. it's what really, really Please. bothers me is I have friends to this day that are still fighting demons from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And I lost a brother to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Because when I was in the Navy, he volunteered and I didn't have to go. Mm -hmm. So that's something I live with every day. And I lost him to Agent Orange. And we got to do more for our vets, folks. Oh, we do. We do. Really, we do. We really, really do. Don't wait till they're gone, you know? And it's amazing to see that a lot of the veterans that go away, 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 like Vietnam and places like that, are the ones that have the serious, serious, serious addictions. Because, you know, not only the PTSD, but it's just what they had to do there. It's not just the act of what they had to do, but it's one of the things that they had to do was drugs there. Right. You know, so they came home and that's what they wanted to do. And a lot of them, you know, became dope fiends from serving our country. So I tell people, I said, you don't know if that person's a military veteran and if they started, you know, when they were serving our country and this is how they ended up there. You cannot point a finger without a story and without getting it bitten. And that's what I mean by we never walked in their shoes. You don't mm, know if mm, they mm, were putting bodies in bags. I mean, I got a friend who has a helicopter, and he, and he, and he loses it mm -hmm. just by the sound of a helicopter yeah. because that's what he, he remembers in yes. Vietnam. Yeah. And, and I had this really good friend named Jimmy. Mm -hmm. He was over in uh, Iraq, and he came back, and he turned to alcohol. And I used to go visit him. We'd sit down. We'd have pizza. I wrote about him in my book. Mm, I saw that. And I said, Jimmy, I got to go to Connecticut to host the service for clean energy, but I'll be back. And we're going to sit down, and we're going to have pizza, and we're going to talk. And I came back, and I found out Jimmy took his own life. Mm -hmm. He couldn't deal with it anymore. He just couldn't deal with it. He couldn't take it. And nobody knows what they're thinking. Nobody knows what's going on in their mm -hmm. heart. So, you know, yeah. that's yeah. why I get mad when people say, why'd you help that person? Yeah. But I lost Jimmy. And every every December, I do freezing for a reason. I sleep outside. Yeah, so in honor of Jimmy. In honor of Jimmy. Listen, and we need to get back to that because we used to do that here. Um, 
I know they have the big worldwide one, but we used to do that here in New Haven too, but people have lost the heart for it. They will feed you all day, clothe you all day. They will do, you know, the different drives for toiletries, but living in the actual element. I had people at the Mission of Mercy come to me, mm-hmm. including one of my sisters in my um, group. She said, I have a new respect for homeless people just from sleeping out there from that one night. And remember, Thursday night was not that bad. No, it wasn't. It, it was, was not it. that bad. But she said she, after a while, she wasn't even cold anymore because she had gotten used to it. Yeah. So she said she realizes that that must be what happens to you know people that are homeless. And we take it for granted. We can walk to that thermostat and turn the heat up. Isn't that something? Yeah, or turn the air conditioner on. Add some blankets to your bed. You know, but they can't. They don't have that luxury. No, not at all. And and freezing for a reason raises money for homeless awareness too. Yes. And, and um, let me know when that is. That's December. It, it's it, it's on uh, the Green in Winstead. Okay. Uh, put on by the YMCA. Okay. The YMCA. Yeah. All right. And well, I do let me know. I think I'll go. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's in. Not is everybody makes the whole night. Sleeping? But, you know, the Boy Scouts are there and. And it's it's a win win because uh, we show awareness. Yeah. And you know. And you know, I'm like one of those people. I would probably cheat. I have my like my heated vest and stuff on. But who can have a heated vest? I think that that would be a great investment for everybody in the winter that's out that has to sleep outside. Yeah. And if you give it all to them, they won't sell them. So you know, don't worry about that part. But it's not once you give it to somebody, you can't worry about what they do with it. You gave it out of the kindness of your heart. But I want to share this one story about a friend of mine named Joe. Mm-hmm. He was a fall-down drunk, mm-hmm. could not hold a job, was mm-hmm. living on the street. He just was not doing well at all. He was in a dark, dark place. Okay. He kept getting arrested, and he said, this is no kind of life. Mm-hmm. So what he did was he had a talk with the big guy, and he turned his life around. Mm-hmm. He got into the Plumbers and Pipe Fitters Union in, in, in Minnesota. Mm. He became a foreman, then became a superintendent, Okay. then became uh, uh, an instructor. Okay. And what happened after that, he started investing in stocks, and he became a millionaire, believe it or not, mm-hmm. just in smart, smart investments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He learned Spanish all by himself. Okay. And he started to travel. He went to Mexico City. He met this young lady with two kids. They started calling him Uncle Joe. Uh, He'd take him to the movies. He'd buy him clothes, yeah. make sure they had food. They fell in love with him. He lost contact to this lady for about three years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He went back to Mexico City, and they, they found each other. Now she's got cancer. Oh. She's got brain cancer. Jesus. And he helps her comfortably go to heaven. But he tells her, your children will never have to worry again. That's familiar. He adopted the kids. He adopted two kids. He, he just, you know, he knew you them. You never but, know. And now they're living with him in the United States. He took him out of Mexico City, and he's a father to and two kids. And he retired and did that in his retirement. Listen. He's my hero. That's, listen, that is the ultimate story. Living from the bottom. That's a real bottom to the top. That's one of the best stories I can tell Bo- you. That's a real bottom to the top. And I also have a friend, Steve Zen, mm-hmm. who was locked up for 14 years. Mm. He fell 35 feet. He broke his ribs, his oh. legs, Ooh. his arms, Ooh. his pelvis. He was a basket case. He went into the hospital, and they gave him a lot of Class A narcotics. He got strung out. Mm-hmm. He came on the street. He started self-medicating. Did some crazy, crazy things to get money to buy drugs. Mm-hmm. Became homeless. 
got locked up for 14 years. Mm-hmm. One of the things he missed the most when he was homeless was a shower. Mm. He had an idea. He talked to the Lord. He says, Lord, if I can yeah. get out, I'll take care of one person each and every day of my life. Yeah. He had a design. He designed a shower with his knowledge. He brought it to a local 72 in Atlanta, Georgia, and mm-hmm. he built a shower trailer. Yeah. And he takes it to homeless camps and yes, gives people yes, showers. Yes. And he takes it to people that lost their house overnight. Look him up because you can watch the story about that, too. Yes, Because there's can. a young lady that has I a, wrote about him, yeah, too. Yeah, I yeah, put an article yeah, in my yeah, book yeah, about him. Yeah, I, I was reading that, but then I thought about the young lady that does it, too. There's a lady down in Georgia that does it, too. So, um, But she does it because she's a hairdresser. So she goes and does hair. Does yeah. hair. Yeah. There's a guy in Hartford that's got a battery with his uh, hair clippers, and he gives homeless people haircuts. Yeah, in, my brother in, in does that as well. My brother does that um, at most of his events, you know. But what happened with Steve is he was going to it. He also he did like 10 or 12 disasters. I've been on three with him. Mm-hmm. But in any way, what he did was he was going down to uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and he went right to the eye of the storm. He lost cell service. The storm literally picked up his truck and his shower trailer that he was towing, and then it snapped off, and it's at the bottom of Lake Charles somewhere, oh. so he lost everything. But he didn't give up. He's no, rebuilding all not. over again. Of course. He's rebuilding all and over again. And it's going to be better. I mean, yeah. yeah. He he's he's he works each and every day of his life with homeless people. Listen, because he's been there. I would, you and I are those people that wouldn't mind being able to do that, you know. And there's a lot of people out there like us, you know. I would rather work with people, and I don't have to see the reward right away. I can do the best that I can for them, and then once I do the best that I can, that person, as long as your commitment to me, you don't have to pay me nothing. Don't even have to thank me. Just do it for others when you get there. When you get there, do it for others. And I think I've instilled that in a lot of the kids that, you know, I call them all my 48 kids that mm-hmm. I've worked with. And most of them are very caring kids, you know. And I have a fight every once in a while with someone that's saying, oh, well, this person, uh, uh, God forbid, crackhead and all those different things they call people. I just hate when they say that things. I said, so how did they become that? That's what you're classifying them at. How did they become that? Have you ever asked them? I don't want to talk to them. I said, well, how do you know that that's what they are then? Exactly. Just because exactly. you look at them, have you ever been with them with a pipe, pipe in their hand? You know, you're putting a label on mm-hmm, them, and mm-hmm. you have no right to judge anybody. Everybody homeless is not on drugs. Everybody homeless is not a drinker. Everybody homeless is not. There are some people that are still saying sane, but a lot of them stay sane by having faith in something. I don't care if they have a faith in rock or whatever. But it, and one of the things about homeless people is the longer they're on the street, the more they're going to accept that as their lifestyle and, and the ones that can't be put in an apartment now they accept it they as could, a lifestyle and, and who could something? afford a month and a half security mm-hmm. i know people that work but live in their cars isn't that something it used to be illegal to do two months now month and a half you have to yeah and and what's 15 dollars an hour that, mm-hmm. that's not gonna that's not how you gonna cost save living how are you gonna save they talk yeah. about a, a well the fight well you know how that goes the fight for yeah. 15 now we got to start working on a fight for 25 there's a fight for 25 for the uh, health care workers. Now, we need to start for, we're going to be working on their 35 and working on 25 as minimum because it's only getting worse. It's like some of these single moms, they're working two jobs and they're raising a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they're they doing the best they can, but at the end of the, end of the month, they just don't have enough to pay their bills or put food on the table. Yeah. So why not give a little bit? Can you imagine if every person gave up a latte and a bagel, how many people we could feed? We got one point five point 
five, five and a half families do not know where their next meal's coming from in the United States. They do not know where their next meal's. On any given night, we got 500,000 people sleeping on the street. And that's a guesstimation because the censors are all not always right because some of them might have a voucher. They might have been in jail. They might have got a hotel. I mean, we got to do better. This is America, people. This is, this is <laughs> the land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. We can't turn a, a blind eye or a deaf ear to this because mm-hmm. nobody's exempt from becoming homeless. Mm-hmm. So final thought. We're in our last minute. What do you think we can do? Look out for Paul and I to be doing quite a few things together. First of all, don't create Bob Dylan, my favorite artist of all time. I put a quote of him in my book. Don't criticize what you can't understand. Don't judge these folks until you walked in their shoes. Just be kind. Acts of kindness don't cost anything. Each and every day when you get up and you thank the Lord for a new day, do one act of kindness. One act of kindness. If you see a veteran... Pay for his coffee or his meal in a, in, a, in, a, in a restaurant. You see a homeless person, ask him if you could buy him something to eat or give him a hot cup of soup. Mm-hmm. Nobody's exempt from being homeless, like, like I said. So acts of kindness are awesome. And don't be troubled with what they do with it after you give it to them because that's not a responsibility of yourself. Amen. So once again, you're listening to Marcy Lane, once again, on WNHHLP, New Haven Independence Community Radio, and... Get the book, guys. Get the book. If you get a chance to get the book, it's really a great read. I read it twice, and you just gave it to me last weekend. It's great. You know, and it's always good to find somebody's story, but look out for Paul and I. Paul and I are about to do some things in Connecticut. I don't know. God sure already are. told me. God already told me. Paul and I are about to do some things in Connecticut that Connecticut don't even know. Divine so, intervention. Yes, yes. Divine because intervention. When you meet somebody that's, like, literally my brother, and if you all know my background with Jesse Hardy, I love Jesse. I love him, and I will always love him. But it's like going right back there, but uh, state, not just New Haven, the whole entire state. So I thank you. You're making me emotional now. I thank mm-hmm. you for saying, come with me. I mean, like, uh, we're talking. We're just having a conversation. It's like, come on, let me show you this. And uh, the things that he's shown me. So I have another mentor in those things that I love to do. So look out for us. We'll be riding around in a big red truck. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> thank you, Harry. I love you. Have a wonderful day. Remember, I love you guys all, and there ain't nothing you can thank do you about it. Thank you for having me. Thank Anytime, you. Paul. Thank you so much for being here with me. Hi, new big brother. Yay. You can't stay. You can dance out. Dance out. Dance out. <laughs>